You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast paced. Let me stop you right there. This will always be a pro Cam Newton show. Opinionated. Hey, Tatum is phenomenal, but the end of game execution in the NBA is just laughable. To the point. I'm already tired of this storyline. This guy's a future Patriot. This quarterback's a future Patriot. And that quarterback's a future Patriot. Are we really going to link everybody to the Pats all offseason? Because I, I have zero interest in that. Thank you. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, welcome in, everybody. Brady Farkas Show, day two of Radio Row at Home right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Pumped for another big day of guests. You know, we've had some fluctuation in the guest list, and this is exactly what happens when you're actually down on Radio Row, so I feel very much at home having to be nimble with who our guests are going to be on any given show. So, former UVM hockey great NHL alumni Tori Mitchell was going to be with us today at 640, had something happen, he's all good, he's going to be on the show later this week, so had to reschedule with Tori Mitchell. So, you know... It's crazy because I kind of thought, like, not being at Radio Row, maybe some of this stuff would be alleviated. And it's always okay. Like, I don't really care. But every time I go to Tampa, you end up, you think you have four guests, it ends up with seven. You think you have two, it ends up with one. You think you have six, it ends up with five. It's Everything is always changing. It's part of the reason why I love going to Super Bowl week so much because it is so hectic. But Tori Mitchell, going to be on the show later this week. No big deal at all. We're bringing on... Uh, Geno Lewis today, who's a receiver for the Montreal Alouettes. He played against Patrick Mahomes in college, played with Baker Mayfield. He's got some great perspective, great stories. He's going to be with us at about 640. And look, our guests yesterday were great. Our guests today are great. We're going to have Tom Brennan, as we always do on a Tuesday at 545. We're going to have Doug Flutie with us. You heard him you know, on my podcast. You know, We played some clips all year, Daily Dose of Doug, but he's going to be with us for 15, 20 minutes or so. So Doug's going to be with us. At 6.15. Guest list yesterday, great. Guest list today, great. Guest list tomorrow through Friday, wow. Jam-packed. Names are big. And the I love doing the national stuff, right? Talking a lot of football, getting perspective from former players, etc. But I also love bringing on local names. And you're going to see as we go on here some big local names, some guys you, you know, some people you haven't heard of or don't know much about. We're going to tell their stories as well coming up, and I'm very, very excited about that. You know, we talk about Real Radio Row, and I tell you how crazy it gets. One of my favorite stories of Radio Row is just – and it speaks to how flexible the guest list is. So it was one of the first years that I was there. I think it was actually – I think I've been there four times. I think it was the third year. It was in – yeah, I was in Minneapolis. So at this point, I'm trying to establish myself. I'm trying to get as many people on as I can. And I'm not really weeding anybody anybody out. Anybody who wants to talk, I'm saying yes to. So Ricky Seals-Jones was a tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. He was a good player. He'd had a good year, but really didn't have any connection to this market, which is where I was at the time. 
So everyone's kind of like, well, Brady, why would you talk to an Arizona Cardinals tight end? And I told you, I was just, I was taking anybody who would talk. I was trying to get as many guests as possible. So Ricky Seals-Jones ends up not being able to talk with me. And I'm actually like, okay, no big deal. I didn't really need him anyways. Didn't really have a connection. Takes, you know, saves me 15, 20 minutes. But Ricky Seals-Jones people feel so bad about this. So they call me up. They're like, hey, he can't do it. He got pulled in another direction. He got kept late here. He's got to go to this event. Like, how, we got to make it up to you. We got to make it up to you. And I'm like, guys, it's okay. No, no big deal. This happens. Like, no, we'll make it up to you. And I go, okay. So the way Radio Row works is every player who is there has a handler. It's not their agent, but it's kind of like a PR rep. It's just a person who shows them around and keeps their schedule and takes them where they're supposed to go. So Ricky Seals-Jones' handler also happened to be handling Eric Dickerson, Pro Football Hall of Famer, he of the 2,000-plus yard season. So I said, look, if I can't have Ricky Seals-Jones, you're also dealing with Eric Dickerson, have him sign my poster. And it wasn't for me. We had a station poster at the time, and all the guests that we had were signing this poster. So on this poster was a bunch of guests from what we had all week. Well, Eric Dickerson, who I didn't interview, he signed the poster, and we also ended up getting Terry Bradshaw to sign the poster. And there ends up being now five Hall of Famers on this poster, not all of which that came on the show, but some of it was born out of the fact that Ricky Seals-Jones of the Arizona Cardinals wouldn't come on with us. So it pays to be nimble and flexible in how you handle the guest list. So uh, this is no different than real Radio Row. So it uh, makes me right at home. So, again, if you want to be a part of the show, you can text in at 585-3026. Hope everybody is staying safe out there, 802-585-3026. Um, Download the podcast after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website. Just search for The Brady Farkas Show. Again, Tom Brennan, 10 minutes from now, Doug Flutie, 615, and Geno Lewis, wide receiver for the Alouettes at 640. He's a great guest. I've had him on before. It's not a name you guys probably know. We don't think of CFL football a lot. Trust me, if we're getting a pinch hitter for Torrey Mitchell, Geno Lewis is a good guy to get. Guys, let's get to it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. All right, opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show, thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Middlesex, St. Albans, Swanton, Enosburg, and Derby, and online at sticksandstuff.com. Former Patriots wide receiver Danny Amendola is making the rounds in, in a virtual radio row of his own this week. And he is wrong to say what he said yesterday. Listen to Danny Amendola yesterday on Fox Sports 1, and then I'll tell you why Amendola is wrong and what he says about the Patriots. Well, first things first, and when you see there Patriot Way in, uh, in the dictionary, it's going to have Tom Brady's name next to it. Uh, none of those coaches Ooh. threw any passes. None of those coaches <laughs> caught any passes. None of those coaches made any tackles. They got guys in the right position because they watch a lot of film and they spend all their time at the facility. But uh, but Tom Brady is the Patriot way, and that's and that's the reason why Ooh. Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl right now and, and, and uh, the Patriots aren't. Okay. Danny Amendola has clear feelings about this. Danny Amendola, I don't think, is real thrilled with how his time in New England ended, so that's probably influenced his opinion, but he is wrong to go and say that the Patriot way is solely the Tom Brady way. We as a society need to understand this. We need to understand that success isn't singular. I know we're all consumed with who deserves the most credit. 
when we should just be realizing that multiple people can deserve credit for something. When there is a success, it is never just because, or it is rarely just because of one person. There is oftentimes a group of people behind success, and it is the same with the New England Patriots. Great people have great people around them. You've heard this saying for a long time, and it's it's outdated now given how balance of power has shifted in society back towards what I hope is more 50-50, but behind every great man is a great woman. Okay, A great man has needed a great woman behind him. Conversely, behind a great woman would be a great man or a great woman, a woman, great man. It doesn't matter. You need great support behind you. You need great people around you. Very rarely have people accomplished anything without any help at all. Sometimes it is that supportive spouse who is behind you. Look, I've, I've given Giselle grief of my life. She just left Tom Brady alone for 12 days so that he could study for the Super Bowl. That That's a supportive spouse now. That's someone who has taken her family out of their routine and gone somewhere else so that her husband can have an opportunity to accomplish this goal. You, you need people like that in your corner. People that are there to make life easier for you rather than there to make life harder for you. And there's no shame in that, in needing help. Also, look, a lot of us who have great ideas or are creative, we need money backers, people to invest in us, people to put time and energy into us. We all get by with a little bit of help. It doesn't matter. There's always been multiple people part of a process. The Patriots are no different. Why is this so hard for people to understand? This infatuation with having to choose who gets the most credit for the Patriots is just exhausting. We've been on the show for four months. We've had to talk about this three times. I hope this is the last time. Tom Brady is clearly great on his own. There is no doubt about that. He clearly has the arm strength, the brains to process things and to make decisions, and he's had the physical ability to execute for his entire career. Tom Brady clearly has a physical ability and a mental capacity that I do believe he would be good on his own. He would be good without Bill Belichick. Yes, that is true. I 100% believe that. But Tom Brady did not learn everything on his own. Well, yes, he had the raw ability and the raw work ethic. Being around Bill Belichick clearly was able to being around Bill Belichick clearly helped him mold himself into what we've seen over the last 20 years. Bill Belichick's relentless work ethic has clearly rubbed off on Brady. Brady isn't who Brady is without seeing and respecting Belichick's grind every single day. There's no doubt about that. They both have greatness innately in them. But being around the other brought it out even further and elevated it to new heights. We don't need to assign who's greater labels or to figure out who deserves the most credit. All we need to do is understand they're both great on their own. Bill Belichick was building something good in Cleveland before all hell went to loose and the Browns ended up leaving town. Belichick was building there, had gotten him to the playoffs. He was probably building in New England also. I'm not saying he would have been as good without Brady. I don't believe that. But they were good on their own. They've been made great in Hall of Fame caliber with each other. And there's nothing 
wrong with that. It's not taking away from them. They're great on their own. They're even better with each other. What's that old song by Neo? I'm, a, I'm good all by myself, but I'm better when we're together. Or I'm good all by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. Something like that. That is Belichick and Brady. Belichick's personality works with Brady because Brady could take it. Not every quarterback could. So Belichick was able to maximize Brady's talents because he could take Belichick's style, and then Brady bought in enough to filter down that work ethic to the rest of the team. And Brady needed that work ethic for the rest of the team to achieve his goals, and Belichick needed Brady to buy in so that he could achieve his goals. And Brady, yeah, he's got a skill set and smarts, but the coaching staff puts in a game plan. The coaching staff watches film. The coaching staff puts you in a position to succeed, we hope, and the quarterback the quarterback, um, implements it. And Brady has the ability to implement it. Cam Newton this year couldn't implement the way the Patriots wanted to play. Tom Brady can. And I promise you that in 20 years, Brady was helped more by the coaches than he had to overcome them. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that in 20 years, Brady was aided by this coaching staff more than he was hurt by them and had to overcome them. They clearly needed each other. They each have discipline, work ethic, and talent. They each do individually. But together, it became a ball of fire. And for Danny Amendola or anybody else to say that it's only one guy, in this case only Brady, you're just doing it wrong. Brady isn't Brady without Belichick, and Belichick isn't Belichick without Brady. They'd both be good. They'd both be okay. But they were amazing because they were together and they brought the best out of each other. Stop trying to declare winners and losers. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, we'll step aside. When we come back, the best 15 minutes of the week, our guy Tom Brennan, former UVM men's basketball coach, he's going to be with us. That's coming up right here on WDEV. He led Vermont to its greatest win in program history. Oh, my goodness! He's the architect of the Catamounts basketball program. Vance Jennings, UVM. And he's with us now. It's time for our weekly talk with former UVM basketball coach Tom Brennan on the Brady Farkas Show. On WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yes, it's Super Bowl week. Yes, we're doing Radio Row at home, bringing you the biggest names and the best guests. But we couldn't knock out our guy Tom Brennan, the former UVM basketball coach, is like the biggest name that we get on. We get him every single week. So TB is with us today. B, how are you? Uh, good to be here, my boy. I hope I'm not taking up valuable space in your programming here. Well, you're 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 on here about a half an hour before Doug Flutie, and we got uh, we got some other big names coming rest of the week. So you're just one of many. There you go, man. I'm flattered. Well, I'm let flattered. me. Let me start with this, you know, on Super Bowl week here. This is kind of my go-to question for the week with almost everybody. Tom Brady, 43 years old, everybody's pretty in awe of what he's doing. Who's a guy you came across with, came across whether it was coaching, coaching against or recruiting that left you in awe? All right. Um, um 
I would say two people. Uh, one would be Bill Raftery, and mm-hmm. the second would be Lou Olson. Now, Lou Olson was a one-time event. I got a good story for you there. If you got a second, oh yeah, please. And uh, Bill Raftery, of course, I worked with for a year. Yeah, so that was like uh, it was like uh, it was just amazing. Uh, he was so good to me, and I was always I was nervous the whole time, and he <laughs> just was, he was just a great great role model and just a wonderful guy. But when we went out to play Arizona. Uh, Lute Olson's wife uh, had passed away a couple years previous, mm-hmm. and he and Bobby Olson, her name was Bobby, were the, the court in Arizona was named after them, and and after both of them because she had done so much, I guess, in the recruiting and all that. She was obviously a very, very, very big part of it. So, so anyway, so she dies, and uh, sadly, of course, and after a while, he takes up with this woman who's the head of the Republican party in hmm. pennsylvania so i'm thinking well, how the hell does he get a hold of the republican party in pennsylvania <laughs> right None of my business what do i care I, i'm just in awe of the guy totally so so we go to play him and everything gets messed up we don't get there in time and we don't, we actually don't get into our hotel until 1 30 in the morning the game's at 11 so it's crazy so you know we i, I still have a picture of my office uh vermont four arizona two <laughs> <laughs> They beat us by about forty, whatever it was. I don't know, but they. But but anyway, it was what it was, you know. Which is, so, but anyway, before the game, before the game, uh, I walked down to him, and when he when he came out, I was so nervous. I mean, he made me so nervous. Now, I'm, at this point, I'm I'm fifty two years old, right? Hmm. So I'm so nervous, and uh, and I just say to him, uh, 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 Coach, uh, uh, I'm. I'm really glad you uh, you you found joy in your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I said, honestly, God, great. As soon as it came out, I said, "What, what did you? What did you just say?" What an awkward! What an oh awkward first uh, first first impression. Oh, I turned around and I walked right back to the other end of the bench. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, and now he's going to kill you. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, along along the same lines of Super Bowl week, right? So we're getting a bunch of big guests, and we're rolling more out over the next few days. It's going to be huge. You don't actually have to do this. I'm just curious. If I asked you to pull the biggest name from your phone to come on this show, who would you give me? Who is the biggest name that TB could pull for this show? I think um, I would have to say Jay Wright, right? Okay, that's a big name. That's a very big name. We like Jay Wright. Let me see. I mean, let me let me tell you. See, the problem with me and you is that you are you are a uh, uh, who's that guy to interview Nixon? <laughs> David Frost. You're like David Frost. You're a wonderful <laughs> interviewer, but I don't have any memory. I've been trying to tell you that. For- <laughs> You just pulled. Now. You just pulled a Lute Olson story from twenty years ago. That sounds pretty well, good, member. They, 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 you know, they bounce off the walls. They, uh, let me see who else I would have. Uh, you know, who else is a big timer who I like? Who I got? I just got off the phone with. As a matter of fact, Pat Forty. He's one of my boys. Oh, over at Yahoo, or at least yeah, he's been at well, Yahoo and Sports Illustrated, maybe. Yep. Yep. 
Well, so yeah, I, but I don't have you know I I, I bet I went through it. I'd have a couple more than I <laughs> than I'd be that I could surprise you with. But I, I just can't, well, I just can't remember what the you know what I'll do. I'll go through them and I'll call you later. Yeah, <laughs> Jay Wright's good. Bill Raftery, who you just name dropped, that's pretty good. One of my yeah, favorite. Bill Raftery, yeah, certainly. I talk to Raft all the time. One of my favorite story. One of my favorite Raftery stories or calls, I guess, is I was freshman. I was freshman in college. You know, I'm from Albany. I've always been partial to you, Albany, but I also you know grew up watching Siena. So Siena is the nine seed. They got very good for a while. They're playing Ohio State. Ohio State's the eight. It's in Columbus. Ronald Moore goes, sends the game to double overtime. Siena wins, and there's Raftery. Onions! Double order! <laughs> That's one of the all-time about, greats. Oh, somebody, he sent, Someone sent me a t-shirt. Uh, an Onions t-shirt. <laughs> and I took a picture of it uh, two weeks ago, and I sent it to Raft, and I said... Uh, how about this? And oh. The puppies are set. Oh, man. <laughs> Tom Brennan, former UVM men's basketball coach, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, as he is every single Tuesday. Now with us on Radio Row at Home on WDEV. Hey, let's talk a little Catamount hoops here. I think we're finally going to get some Catamount basketball, by the way. February 13th and 14th, they're going to play Stony Brook. How do you as a coach prepare your team physically and mentally, knowing you've been on pause, you haven't been around them, you haven't been playing, and then when you get back, you're going to have 10 days until you get to play them? Yeah, see, here we go again. You've asked me this three weeks in a row. I've told you the same thing three weeks in a row. I got no damn ideas. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to do. Nobody's ever been through this before. I, I, I just think that I do really love the fact, my boy, that we have been gaining ground without yeah. playing. We're getting That's first place cool. now. Yeah, right. We just without playing a game, we went from third to first. I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, and I, I, I kind of feel good about that because I thought we were playing. I'll just say it this way: we were playing well, so we yeah. deserved to be in first. <laughs> I know. But it's... anyway, I, I am excited about them finally getting to play. Now, when is it going to be thirteenth and fourteenth? Not till then. Thirteenth and fourteenth. So it's a, a a lovely Valentine's weekend uh, doubleheader here. Jeez, I, I, uh, you know, again, I, I, whatever we, whatever we did at the end of the last two weeks, that's what we need to do because we were really, really playing good then. I thought very, very, very strong and tough, and and, and like I said, Brad, I, the thing I love about our team is I think we can pass, and I think we all can pass. I mean, everybody can. So, uh, and I, I just think that that gives you a leg up, uh, you know, in big games and games that are going to be close that you know those extra possessions where you get a layup or, or you know you get a wide open shot because you've moved the ball properly and uh so I, I i think that's going to bode well for us at the end and plus i don't know about you but i think uh i think old uh, davis has turned into a star oh he's flat out he's been phenomenal right? i mean we're talking a guy who can go and Bad get to man. 25 and 10 every single night now yeah <laughs> So I, you know, I didn't see that coming right away. I really, and it's this is funny, man. This is funny because he's such a quiet kid, you know. And and um, and I, we may have talked about this before, but when he when he was a freshman, when he first came in, he would just shoot a, shoot a three like every game, and he never made them. I'm <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Here? That's a man after my own heart. Hey, us big guys, we want to be guards. Trust me, we don't want to stay down low and get banged on. So I said, "This is Flicky." I said, "Listen, man, what is, what is it with this guy?" He said, "He's really good, coach. He's really good. I'm telling you, he's really a good player." So I said, "Okay, that's <laughs> well, it. That's enough for me." He is and, a good uh, player now. Plantar fasciitis or whatever, right? Yeah. And last year affected him, but boy, this year he's gone blown out of the game, man. He has really been a, been a very, very good player. And and I think, Brady, correct me if I'm wrong, 
he's only a junior, but next year he's only a junior again, right? Yeah, well, what happened is uh, that leads me to another point. So, yeah, the NCAA has granted another year of eligibility to every player you know, in college basketball this year because of the virus. So now you're right. These guys can come back. So if Davis wants to stick around for a fifth year, he's got it. My question is, you as a coach, I mean, damn, that's got to that's gotta screw with your recruiting. You got extra guys on scholarships you weren't anticipating for. You got recruits coming in thinking they're going to have, you know, playing time that now might not be there. It's very, very hard to handle recruiting now. No doubt. No doubt, except I don't even know if they're letting them recruit now, are they? Uh, there is recruiting, but it's a lot of it's being done virtually because some high schools okay. aren't playing and things like that, and other places got requirements on travel and all that. So there's a lot of virtual recruiting going on, and UVM is doing well by all accounts in that sector. But you got guys thinking they're coming into one situation, and it ends up being another if guys yeah, stick around. That has to be, you know, that has to be dealt with. Obviously, there's no no question about that, and. Uh, we only, well, what did we lose, three? How many did we lose? Well, let me see here. Ra, uh, I think we're going to lose a Duncan. We're going to lose Steph Smith and Benny Shungu. That's three for sure, and I believe that's it. And Brady, right? Uh, oh, Bailey. Right. Bailey Patella. Uh, Bailey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah, I got to check. Now Now you got me on You got me on the hot seat here. Yeah, three or four. Well, I'm not, I don't mean to be doing that, but my point is all those guys, now, who determines whether they come back? Do they do it? Do the coaching staff do it? Do they do it collectively? This is what I'd, I'd like to know. You know? Um, like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't like to have uh, uh, Patella back for another year. Are you kidding me? It gets better every day. I mean, so it's going to be the player's decision, but ultimately they have to be enrolled in classes. So do if they've graduated already, do they want to come back and apply for a grad program, et cetera? Do they want to take extra classes, all that? So I think, you know, and then uh, do they have professional opportunities? Like I would imagine at least Steph Smith yeah. is going to have a professional opportunity, and is that better for him than than being at UVM again? Right. Good point. Good point. I just assume he stayed one more so we could all come back and watch him again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, Tom Brennan with us here in the Brady Farkas Show. WDEV is every single Tuesday right here. Hey, uh, hey before what? Now, we, we don't have much to, more to talk about there because we haven't played in a month. What's going on with spring training? Are, are these two factions going to let this thing get fester to the point where they're – I mean, it's, it's losing its popularity in Major League Baseball left and right. And now they're going to—they're going to act like babies going into spring training. Is this—I know this is right up your alley. Yes, you can't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh no! So we're going to get to that in about uh, in about ten minutes, actually. But yeah, so uh, Major League Baseball wants to delay the season. They wanted to delay the season by a month, and. Major League Baseball, the players already said no. They said, nope, we are going to spring training. We are going on time. And look, there's a lot of nitty-gritty behind it. Um, I think I can get on board with delaying the season is good for people when it comes safety-wise. But if you're Major League Baseball, you knew that was going to be the case in December. Why did you come a week and a half before spring training is supposed to start? There's really You've already got guys working out, getting ramped up, and you, you can't ask them to shut down at this point. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just two sides that don't get along and don't trust each other, and I'll get into more of that um, momentarily. But, hey, I did want to ask you, the format for the America East Tournament came out, and by the way, it's like decoding hieroglyphics. I won't ask you to to go into that. I'm glad you called me because I just said to somebody last night, I'm going to be talking to Brady Farkas tomorrow. Maybe he knows. Uh, what the hell is it? I've only read it three times, and I can't I can't figure out what what it even begins to mean. So, so you, what is, what do they do? We have two pods, or what what is it? I don't have any idea. Yeah. So, bottom line is the first and second seeds they get a buy automatically to the final four. 
okay, to the conference final four. One and two seeds get a bye to the conference final four. So seeds three determined. Okay, okay, good. So seeds three through the rest of the league, they have to play. You know, they got to play other games. So um, seeds three and four are going to host their individual pods. So it's like three and, you know, whatever. I three and six or th- three and nine. So you got you got a first you got early round games being played on the campuses of sites of seed three and four. And then seeds one and two have already advanced to the final four. The winners of those other two seeds are gonna come and meet and you're gonna have a final four all at one site and that one site has not been decided yet. So Vermont could host the America East final four if they are chosen. Oh, good, good. That'd be great. So, do you we'll like? But again, you, no fans, right? No fans. Do you like the conference okay. tournament at one neutral site, or do you like it game by game, like the America East does it? I like it game by game at our level, uh, Bridge, just because uh, of uh, people going. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I was in this league many years when we had it at one place, and the whole concept was it just used to crack me up. Uh, you know, this is we got to we got to appear to be big time, and the only way you're big time is if you go to a t- tournament site. You know, and I thought to myself, I, I, I'm not buying this, but we were at the bottom of the barrel, so I didn't have a lot of juice, of course. But it just didn't make any sense to me. And then you talk about three more home games, and when you're going good, and uh, you know, it, it really and it, the interest it was way uh, there's way more interest in the way things are going. So uh, my concern, my boy, is that. You know, maybe somebody says, you know what, I'll just take my chances on being picked. I'm not going to go to a tournament. I, I think hmm. at our level that could happen. Uh, and I think even at the bigger level it could happen more, where a, a, a top five team in the Big Ten or Big Eight says, why would I go somewhere for a week and maybe get sick when I'm already going to be in? Yeah. I'll be interested to see how that all plays out. Well, there's a still a long way to go, but we will have Catamount basketball, we believe, 11 days from now, February 13th, against wow. Stony Brook. Joining us every single Tuesday here on WDEV is our guy, the coach. He was coach of the year in this league. He took Vermont to the NCAA tournament, and he's a legend. The court is named after him, Tom Brennan. TB, we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, my boy. Why wouldn't I keep coming on when you're so nice to me? Well, hey, we we <laughs> love you. I'm waiting for that hammer to drop, man. But there is no hammer. We love you. You're good. Atta so boy. so Atta we'll talk boy. to you soon. Uh, later. He's good. I'm not the way over the time. CBS News in progress. <laughs> You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Middlesex, St. Albans, Swanton, Enosburg, and Derby and online always at sticksandstuff.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Thanks to Coach Brennan for joining us, as he does every single Tuesday. One day, I will hit the out. I'm looking at the staff. One day, I promise you, I will hit the out properly, meaning when we go to break. So sorry that we did that, but uh, when Coach Brennan's on, I don't like to cut him off. I just like to go with him, and I don't even look at the clock sometimes. So my bad there. Uh, having to, you know, we didn't cut off TV, but we had kind of, you know, we need to come back and recap or anything. So, uh, full show podcast and the interview with TB available as well. Sticks and stuff and Swanton Lumber sponsors that. Subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Doug Flutie, former Pats quarterback, will be with us in about 10 minutes or so. But uh, until we get to Flutie, 
We got news late last night that baseball season will be starting on time. At least they're going to try. And I am very worried about this. You can text in 802-585-3026. I am worried about baseball, not because of the season. I'm petrified of spring training. And for the record, I'd be worried about spring training no matter when it is. So it's not just specific to it happening in the next two weeks. But in spring training, you have congregate living traditionally. You have more players in camp. You have more people in a weight room. And a shutdown during spring training is going to be massively intrusive. Okay, Imagine this. A pitcher who is ramping up and now all of a sudden can't throw for two weeks. How far back are they set back when that happens? And what happens when it's in your your entire staff or your entire bullpen? The chance that you have teams go north to their respective cities and be completely unprepared for the season, that is my worst fear. I mean, imagine a Red Sox season where – Multiple pitchers are shut down in spring training, and the team goes north anyways in the first three weeks of the season. Guys are being built back up at minor league parks or whatever, or, or you know, side fields, and you're playing with double-A pitchers out there. Just imagine that because that could happen. Once we get to the season, I actually think they'll be okay. Once we actually get to the season, people are living at home, the weather is better, you're outside, there's less players around, and the guys who have made the team are fully committed to it, I actually think will be largely okay. But getting to that point to me is the scary part. And by the way, don't ignore where spring training is housed, Arizona and Florida. These are two areas that have been hotbeds of coronavirus throughout the entirety of the pandemic. It's never gotten better in those places. So now we're going to send 30 teams into specifically those two states and basically just play Russian roulette with the virus. And again, I think the baseball season can happen safely. More vaccine coming out, better weather, socially distanced sport, played outdoors. I don't think baseball is going to have the massive intrusion that the NBA and NHL have had this year. They proved they could do it last year without a lot of intrusion. Yes, the Cardinals. Yes, the Marlins. But beyond that, baseball did really well last year when things were far more uncertain and when there was no vaccine. I trust that baseball can do this in the season. But getting to that point, that really petrifies me because I think there's absolutely a chance that we end up with with teams and players not prepared on opening day. And if you end up with multiple teams shut down, I mean, spring training is a devastating time to have people stopping and starting, especially the pitchers. The hitters, okay, yeah, probably they can get over if they're shut down for a week for contact tracing. But pitchers who can't do anything, that is a problem. No doubt about it, that is a problem. And then that's going to lead you to unprepared teams, guys who can't work out, potential injury, the whole everything there is a risk. Buster Olney of ESPN, Randolph Center native, he thinks the season should have been delayed. I, I absolutely believe that it makes sense for everybody, for the players, for the teams, owners, for fans, that they delay the start of this season. So what happened was the owners went to the players late Friday, I believe, and they offered a 154-game season 
basically with everything being pushed a month as far as spring training. We'd start spring training a month later, we'd start the season a month later, and then they'd play 154 games. But the season would only be extended by a week on the back end. So you'd have the season start four weeks later and only extend one week longer. So you'd have three weeks extra there to account for. And the players see that as more doubleheaders, more chance to get injury, more chance to be around other players, more chance for coronavirus. And um, it, it just they don't see it as safe and less off days. So they see less off days, more chance to get hurt, more chance to be exposed to the visor to the virus. Major League Baseball will claim its proposal was justified because of public safety, but they shouldn't do it for that reason. Major League Baseball is trying to come off like the good guys here, but they knew. They knew what the situation was weeks ago, months ago. Why did Major League Baseball come to the table two weeks before spring training is about to start? That's not genuine negotiating. That's probably about money. They want to push the season longer so more people get vaccinated, so more people can get in the stands. They'll spin it as public safety. They want the money. And the players see it as you're going to make us play more often with less off days, more doubleheaders, and expose us to the virus more regularly because of all these doubleheaders. We're not doing that. And, and of course, I can get both sides. But don't tell me the owners were genuine here in this proposal. It looks good on paper. I understand why the players balked at it. This isn't going to allow a, a, a month push of the season wouldn't allow the players to get vaccinated, really. They're not going to jump the line for vaccines in most cases. They're probably going to be at the bottom, at the back of the line because they're young and healthy. In most cases, players aren't getting the vaccine before Joe Public. So you're not protecting the players. Getting more coaches, more umpires vaccinated, that's a valuable, or that's a valid side there on the owners in pushing the season. But the players aren't getting anything out of it at that rate. They've already allowed players, you know, it wasn't genuating, genuine negotiating again because the players now have already been working out. They've already been getting ready. They're on a routine and a schedule. If you wanted to shut things down or delay things, you got to come to them a hell of a lot earlier than this. You've already got pitchers throwing, hitters hitting, and people in gyms working out. You've already got people doing all of this stuff. You're not just going to shut them down. The same shutdowns I fear in, in spring training, if you shut them down now, you're causing almost as much damage to people as well, especially pitchers. I get why. The players are balking at this, and the no, the negotiations should have been happening for weeks now. It shouldn't have gotten to this point. We shouldn't be here on the eve of baseball season and now trying to come to the table. No, this should have been done weeks ago, and I'm happy there's going to be baseball, and I'm thrilled there's going to be baseball soon. I do worry about the logistics of spring training, and it's really unfortunate that it's taken baseball this long because there's been so much inactivity in the market that it's hard for me to even be excited about baseball. And I love baseball more than anybody, but this off season there, the two sides haven't talked. They should have come to this agreement earlier because nobody knew what was going on. 
most of the the market was was pretty quiet. If you weren't the White Sox or the Padres, then you basically did nothing, or the Blue Jays, you did nothing this offseason. And here we are, spring training starts in less than two weeks, and, you know, it just, I, I'm not even ready for it. Every year I count down till pitchers and catchers, and it, 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 it hasn't even felt like it. Baseball has done an awful job here. They've done a terrible job at marketing the product. Get the answers. I mean, the NBA, for whatever warts you think it has, the NBA, at least they're proactive on things. Major League Baseball is not proactive. The owners and the players have a bad relationship. They should have been at the negotiating table months ago, weeks ago. Instead, we're left with this nonsense. And now, yes, we're going to have a season, but you have resentful owners, and we have a, a total coin toss as to whether or not it gets off the ground appropriately. So um, we'll see. Red Sox spring training in Fort Myers a couple weeks from now. I, I can't wait for it, but it it's taken a long time to build this excitement. And I think for most fans, they're going to continue to look at this with a quizzical eye. So it's a Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots quarterback, former Patriots quarterback of two times. Doug Flutie is going to be with us momentarily. Guys, what we'll do? Uh, just got a message from Doug. He's ready to go, but uh, let's te- let's step aside for 60 seconds, and we'll come back. We'll get Flutie on the air. So Doug Flutie, former Patriots quarterback, he's going to join us next as we continue on with Radio Row at Home right here on the Friendly Pioneer, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Day two of what we're calling Radio Row at Home. We didn't need to go to Tampa, even though we can't go to Tampa. We didn't need to go to bring you the latest and greatest from all the names around sports and entertainment. Joining us now, a name well-versed to our listeners. It's former Patriots quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and my former Patriots podcast co-host, Doug Flutie. Doug, good to talk with you again, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Things have been good. Uh, getting ready for some stuff over at Super Bowl week. I am going to go over for a couple of events. So things, things are good. Having fun. Well, good. I was going to say, now you're in Florida, but not in Tampa. Is there a Super Bowl vibe in Florida? Does it feel like a normal Super Bowl week, even though oh, it's early? It, it probably doesn't feel. I mean, I'm on the other coast. But it doesn't feel like Super Bowl week, really, other than the fact everybody's excited for Tampa Bay being in it down here. Hmm. So, yeah, they're fired up about Tom Brady and Tampa Bay having the shot of doing this. Um, but there are some of it. Uh, Johnny Gaiman has his golf tournament going on over in Orlando area. Um, I play a flag football game with um, celebrity flag football game thing on Saturday. I'm doing a cornhole competition with the world champion cornhole guy. Uh, Matt Guy is his name. Hmm. been hanging around the house for a couple of days. We've been practicing a little because – he and I are going to be a team on Friday night on ESPN too. <laughs> oh well, I'm going to watch that then. No doubt about that for sure. Have to uh, have to see you do that. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you. So it came out the other day. It got announced that we're not doing the Patriots podcast together anymore. But you got a big gig at SiriusXM. Tell us about the new gig, man. Congrats! Yeah, very exciting. A lot of fun. It'll be coming out. We'll first want to be out on Wednesday. And I have Brett Favre and Jim Kelly as guests. Jim and I just got off a little while ago and. Uh, we were just like a couple of little kids, like high school kids, just yapping them back and forth stories back to USFL days, college days, Buffalo stuff. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Actually, you know, it, it stresses me out because I've always been the guy and it's been great when we started our 
when I start with you, you know, you ask me questions and I answer it. That's what we do. You know, I'm used to that. Ask me now. I got to ask questions and, and be curious about things. And and uh, that's really that's different for me. But it, it should be a lot of fun. And I thank you, Brady, for, for all the things you did for me to allow this to happen. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, I don't know that I did much of anything, but it was fun doing the podcast with yeah. you. And, uh, you know, you taught me a lot about football. We played a lot of our podcasts on this radio show, so our listeners certainly heard your perspective a lot throughout the year, too. Let me ask you this from a Patriot standpoint. The report came out that Matthew Stafford said he could be traded anywhere but New England. Like, do you really think the Pats are that bad a situation that he doesn't want to – he wants to go even go to the awful Texans more so than here? I, yeah, I don't know. Is it – People have an attitude about that the Patriots have been winning for years and they don't want to go help them win? Or is it that they look at it as, you know, the salary cap caught up to them and they have to – they they really didn't have a lot of weapons this year. Cam was handicapped as far as, you know, his weapons around him and, and his abilities as well at this point in his career. But, um, you know, so maybe they look at it as a place they can't win. But is that more of a place that – that, uh, you know, I mean, Cleveland made the playoffs this year after yeah. their history, so you can turn anything around, right? I know. I agree. And the Pats, even with Stafford, would have had $40 million in cap space. They'd have Belichick. They'd have McDaniels. I guess the question is, are the Patriots only appealing with Brady there? Like, is Brady gone, being gone, is that not – are the Patriots undesirable solely because he's not there? I think offensively you're undesirable You're looking when you look at it because of the style of the offense they had to run this year. You know, if you're a big time wide receiver, do you want to go to a team that the receivers catch two balls a game? You right. know, do you want to go to a team where you're not going to you're not going to come close to having a thousand yard season receiving? Um, so, you know, if they get the, if they were to get the right quarterback, yeah, they, they just change back to a, a wide open style or do what they have to do to win. Um, but the weapons like we, we and I were talking about it before the weapons aren't going to come until the quarterbacks in place. Right. Nobody wants to go to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. You know, so Stafford's off the books, off the market now. Watson's going to cost way more than Stafford, I think. So he seems unattainable, at least for what the Patriots usually pay. So that leaves us with Cam, Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, or drafting somebody. And I don't, you know, at this point, I kind of think the Pats should do both. Draft somebody and get a stopgap guy. What do you think? Yes. When you draft a guy, you want to have a veteran that can pull the trigger and get in there and go, I like Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. I've always liked him. And, you know, he, he's kind of fallen in that category that I fell into towards the end of my career of being a band-aid guy that, that can go help you be competitive and win until the other guy's ready, until they find their franchise guy. And that, that might be the situation. And, you know, Fitzpatrick, I mean, Fitzpatrick this year, he didn't want to come out. When he had to come out, you know, he said the right things and he did it, you know, but he was he was competing this year. I like him. I just – yeah, he may throw five interceptions in a quarter someday, but also he may throw five TD passes and bring you back. You know, he came off the bench. Coming off the bench is awesome, by the way. As a veteran guy, when you come off the bench, it's a no-lose situation. You're relaxed. It's like, give me the thing. You know, let me take – yeah, you, you picture him. You fit to, uh, picture Fitzpatrick as a guy that's got a lot of chew in his mouth. And yeah. It's like, let's go. Give me the ball. Let's go. <laughs> Just goes and slings it all around the yard for three hours and then goes home. Doug Flutie's with us on the Brady Farkas Show. It's Radio Row at home here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. What do you think is going to happen with Cam? Like, 
I, he says he wants to sign early, but if he's going to sign early, it feels like he's going to have to sign to be a backup. If he wants to be a starter, he's going to have to wait out the market, which he doesn't really want to do because he wants to learn a system early in an offseason. It feels like he's caught between a really hard place of trying to figure out what he is now. If I'm Cam, I'm looking to just sign a contract, get into camp, whether it's a new team or re-sign with the Patriots. You know, could he be the veteran backup? Because yeah. if, if there is a young guy, say there was a young guy that they drafted, and think is a possible guy that can step in right away. Cam's a good changeup. I mean, as a backup, Cam brings a lot of things to the table. As a guy that is different from what teams will prepare for week in and week out. If there's an injury, now they're completely different look. And I, I kind of like that. That your one and two are just a little different, and and throw it as a changeup. I know every we all want to be the starter. We all want. Yeah. I was uh, 106 years old, and I still wanted to be the starter. <laughs> Um, but you know, it just find find a home and find a home so you can get started. You know, he realized this year how important it is to be comfortable with an offense, to dive into it early and and get it down so that when you step on the field, you can use your tools, be a complete athlete. When you're thinking out there, it slows you down. Yeah, and we saw a lot of Cam thinking this year. You know, he was always amazingly honest this year. And he said it took him um, – he said that the thing he underestimated was how hard it would be to pick up a new system. Like his last press conference at the end of the year, he said, like, I thought my experience level would would make it easy to learn something new. He said that wasn't the case at all. He said he always felt like he was fighting an uphill battle. So how hard is it to go to a new place and learn something new? It's tough. I mean, I, I've been through, I went through so many offenses. I, the very first offense I had to learn, I went to Chicago with the Bears. Mike Dicker was the coach. It was the old Tom Landry Dallas offense. Yep. And evens were left and odds were right, which <laughs> no other team in history does. Nobody does that. Even <laughs> a simple handoff. You call, you know, 20, 24, lead 24. It's not to the right. It's to the left. And, <laughs> and you're thinking about it. I had a game, uh, you know, and I got in there late in the season, had a couple of weeks to learn it before I got on the field and just kind of – I checked – I made the right audible. I checked to a sprint out. I checked the 18 and I sprinted out right. 18's left in their system, not right. And I'm running away from the, you know, it's, it makes you think. I mean, and right at the end of my career, um, you know, I, I spent three years in Buffalo. So I finally got that, you know, I had that down while I was playing. I had it down in San Diego while I was playing in San Diego. I come to New England. I'm at the end of my career and I got to learn another offense at 43 years old. And I still don't know the Patriots offense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't get a chance to get on the field and execute it and run it. So it just was learned material mentally. And I just really, you know, I never got a chance to execute it. So I was, I, you know, I was, like I said, in our pocket, I'm like cheering Tommy on. Don't yeah. get hurt. Stay out there. Go get him, Tommy. You know, I'm thinking about you and your career and just how long your professional career spanned. You played for Mike Dicka and Bill Belichick. What were they like compared to each other? Uh, they were, they were, they were different. They were completely different. Um, really? Mike Dicka, I liked being around Mike Dicka during the week. He was yeah. a riot. He was, yeah, the sarcasm and the humor and the in your face attitude a little bit similar. Mike on game day was so hot headed. You know, it was tough. It was the only I, I, I've said this before. The only quarterback that could have played and been successful for Mike Dick. And I loved Mike Dicka, but 
to be successful for him, you got to have a hard head and give it right back to him and get in his face. And that wasn't me. And McMahon was the only guy mm. that could do that. When I got to New England, I was at the end of my career. If I were young and dealing with, with Bill Belichick, I probably really would have been intimidated. Yeah. Um, but by the end of my career, I just, I love sitting back and hearing his sarcasm in meetings. <laughs> you know, just like giving up. You really, really, what, you didn't want to make the tackle? Look, he's fumbling the ball. And what, we didn't want the ball? It's sitting right there. Yeah. Just fall on the damn thing. And it's our ball. Well, you know, it just, I, I, I really enjoyed Bill. Uh, and maybe I probably wouldn't have enjoyed Bill if I were young, but being at the end of my career, I enjoyed him so much more. Well, you got to play with Tom Brady in the early portion of his career. Here he is again in the Super Bowl at age 43. Can you believe that Brady is still doing this at a high level? You're playing until you're 43. Can you see, can you imagine being this good at that age? Uh, no, no. I had, uh, my back was tightening up. My left knee was kind of a mess. I needed, and I've said this I needed to be able to make people miss yeah. for me to be successful. When I was 42, I started a handful of games. I started some games, and I had some good days. I, I athletically made some people miss, had a couple touchdown runs, stuff like that. I felt like I could still be enough elusive. When I was 43, my back was tightening up, and I was like, I, I, I can't do it. You know, my arm had good days and bad days, and um, I couldn't make people miss anymore. My left knee was getting too bad to really – so I, I, I knew I was done. Tom, he needs his head and his arm. And yeah. that's the way he plays the game. And as long as he and, – and with his routine of what he does, uh, you know, if he felt like playing a few more years, I'm sure he could. And the key there – and I'll say the reason I lasted as long as I did, I was not a heavy lifter of weights. Yeah. I was more about being agile, light, athletic, and mobile. And Tom's theory on his programs is flexibility, stretching, and stay loose. And, uh, you know, he's not going to go beat anybody up. He's not going to throw a block. He's not going to knock someone on their tail. He doesn't need to. He just keeps that arm fresh, and he's so smart. He puts him in the right place and can accurately throw the ball. Uh, you know, he'll decide when he wants to call quits. It's pretty amazing. Super Bowl Sunday coming up Sunday. Doug Flutie with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Doug, I'll get you out of here on a couple more uh, quick thoughts. Danny Amendola, former patch wide receiver, made some um, – Interesting remarks earlier this week when he said that the Patriots way is Tom Brady and that's it. That basically uh, Brady is the Patriots way and there's a reason Brady's playing in the Super Bowl and the Pats aren't. I, I think that's a little too simplistic. I got to think some of Bill rubbed off on Tom to make him this way. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, Tom, Tom's amazing. What he's done in Tampa, he has a lot more tools at his – discretion than what cam had in new england this year yeah. Tom's probably never had this much talent at receiver in a season but you know bill's success comes from preparation and and tom learned how to prepare under bill learned how to prepare yeah. with josh mcdaniel had a offensive coordinator that was with him all the way they you know I, the year i was there you could tell they've been together a while and they thought alike they were on the same page watching film putting in the two-minute stuff, putting in the third-down stuff, the red zone stuff. you know. So now when Tom throws on film by himself, he's still got Josh in his head. You know, He's still got Bill in his head. He's still, okay, they're playing these coverages down this area of the field. We, this is my go-to stuff. Let's go to this. And you know how to attack things. Now it might be different terminology. It might be a little different wrinkle down in Tampa instead of New England. But the concepts and the things that he sees on film – were taught to him back in New England. 
Doug, last question here. I know you're a big baseball fan. You're tied to New England. You're a Red Sox guy. So let me ask you this. Dustin Pedroia announced his retirement uh, earlier this week. Another undersized guy who was a dirt dog, gritty guy. Um, just your thought on guys like Pedroia who can make it uh, and overcome physical limitations to be really, really good players. I mean, little guy, when he went to Arizona State, they told yeah. him, look, you're not going to be a shortstop. You know, you're, you're too small. You don't have the arm. You're, you're, you're just, and, uh, you know, he walked in with the attitude of, hey, I'm your next superstar. He went in and did it there. He went to Boston. He's a, he was a home run hitter, a power hitter. He swung, uh, you know, for his size, he got the most power out of everything. But the thing I loved about him is getting dirty all the time. Everything was all out, full effort. It's how I would have played baseball. If I had played baseball, I mean, it's you've got that little man complex. You got that chip on your shoulder every day. He loved playing the game. He was to the stadium first. He they couldn't keep him out of the dugout. They couldn't keep him over. You know, he was there all day, every day. And the one, I just remember one of the games I went um, and they took some, you know, they were getting ready to go out on the field. And I was near the dugout area and Dustin came over and said, hi. And I go, you're already dirty. The game hasn't even started. And he said, oh, it was, it was spring training. That's why. Yeah. And he goes, well, tell Butter, Butterfield. He said, tell Butters to quit hitting the ground balls in the hole and making me die for it. Yo, he's like diving all <laughs> out in pregame, making play a warming up. And that's yeah. nothing. He's going to make the play. I didn't care if nobody's running. It's just taking infield. Mm -hmm. And he played with a lot of heart and soul. And that was, I love him. I love him. I love everything about the way he played. Well, we're going to miss him too up here in Boston. Hard to believe he's done after uh, – you know, 17 years in the Red Sox organization. Doug Flutie, former Pats quarterback, two stints in New England, Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer. The new show on Sirius XM is the Flutie Flake Cast. Look forward to seeing that as well. So, uh, Doug, we appreciate it. Thanks for the time and all the content you provided us this whole season, and we will definitely do it again. Appreciate it. Call me anytime. Oh, you're going to be regretting that. No doubt about that. So there he goes. Doug Flutie, former Pats quarterback, and uh, really just one of my favorite people to talk to. We developed a good relationship over the uh, over the course of the season. He's moved on to SiriusXM where he's got a more regular gig than our podcast. Totally cool and uh, happy for him. So uh, I'm looking forward to listening to that as well. If you have any thoughts on the interview with Doug, 802-585-3026. Get a couple of messages in here from people snowed in and listening. Thanks to uh, Bill in Montpelier, Jay in Middlesex, and uh, – Randy up in Williston who say they all really enjoy hearing from Flutie. So um, really, really cool and a lot of good stuff to digest. What we're going to do a lot of during this week of Super Bowl week is we're doing all these interviews and we're not just doing the interviews and leaving them. So usually, you know, when we do interviews, we do our biggest takeaways, etc. We don't always have time to do that this week during Super Bowl Radio Row week, but we are cutting up the interviews on the back end and we are building a database of things people have told us this week and we're putting them in a folder and we're going to get to them after the Super Bowl. So Flutie's got takes on Cam, what he should do, got takes on how the patch should handle the quarterback position. He really likes Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's liked Ryan Fitzpatrick as a possible quarterback for the Pats ever since I started talking to him. And he, and he does like Cam, but he thinks that Fitzpatrick would be a better fit. He's got takes on Amendola. That stuff but Ditka was unbelievable. And, you know, Flutie sent me a picture of where he was going to do the interview from. And you'll see we put out some video components of the interview because what we do is not every interview can do this, but on social media, on my Twitter account, at WDEV Radio Brady, 
we will do the interview as we're doing it live. We also will, if the if the guest is able to, have a video component to it. So I'm sitting here with a laptop talking to Flutie, and you know the laptop's right in front of me as we do it. Flutie's sitting in a room with a Walter Payton framed jersey. I'm like. He also had like he's he's a big Batman fan, so he's got Batman and Robin in there as well, like life size to scale replicas of Batman and Robin. So uh, talking to Flutie's awesome. Doing video with Flutie is great too, just to see where he's popped up next. Sometimes he talks to me from his Heisman room when he's doing. Uh, he's got his Heisman trophy there as well. So very very cool. And I liked hearing what he said about Pedroia, and it, it it reminds me of what David Ortiz said yesterday. David Ortiz about Pedroia said that basically Pedroia showed the world that you didn't need size to play baseball. You just needed heart. Now, he said something other than heart, but you can use your imagination. And that is one of the most romantic things about baseball is that it was Tim Kirchin who said this a long time ago, but it's always stuck with me. To play baseball, you don't need to be the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest. At any one point, all of those traits can help. But at any one point, you can also look out on the field and think, wow, that guy is exactly like me. And that was Pedroia. He wasn't a guy who ran perfectly well. He wasn't a guy who was tall. He wasn't a guy who could hit 30 home runs. He did everything right, and he played the game, quote, the right way. And I know we're trying to weed out playing the game the right way, but Dustin Pedroia played the game the way it was meant to be played. Hard, clean, and with an edge to him. And I do like the new wave of baseball players. I'm okay now with bat flips, and I'm okay with guys talking a bit. I like that too. But Pedroia, to me, played the game the way it was meant to be played, just in terms of how hard he played it. So uh, cool that Flutie even noticed that uh, when he saw him in spring training. So that full interview available online on our podcast channel, the show, is Brady Farkas show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. One more note on the Red Sox. We're thinking about Pedroia. Jackie Bradley Jr., not likely to be back. Buster Olney reporting that. The Sox are kind of right up against their money issue that they want, you know, their money threshold they want to stay under. They signed Martin Perez, Kike Hernandez. They went out and got Garrett Richards also. So they're kind of tapped right now on money. Now, I think that's okay given where they are in the standings. If they were going to win a World Series, I'd say screw it, go over, but they're not. So um, I don't have the massive attachment to Jackie Bradley Jr. that a lot of Red Sox fans have. But remember, I didn't grow up a Red Sox fan. I'm, I'm, I started caring about the Red Sox kind of midway through JBJ's tenure. You know, I got here in 2016. I think he was up in 14. And I just don't have that. I just don't have the attachment. Um, I think you know he wants a three-year deal or so. At 30 years old, a guy who doesn't hit for a high average, doesn't have a high on-base percentage, is so streaky. He's great defensively. He doesn't run a lot. He, he does a he does a lot of things good, but nothing so great other than defense. And at 30 years old, I got to think that's going to come down at some point soon too. I'm more excited about Verdugo in the outfield. I'm even more excited about just seeing what Benintendi is if Benintendi stays here, you know, at 25 years old or so, seeing what Benintendi can do if they do keep him. I'm more intrigued by him. Um, it hurts for diehard fans to see a homegrown player go, and that's what JBJ is. Homegrown players leaving always hurts more because you develop, you know, 
if you were a Red Sox fan, you've been following Jackie Bradley Jr. for like 10 years now between the minors and the draft, the minors, and moving up through the system. So I get why people are attached to him. I am just not one of them, but I didn't have that experience with JBJ because I wasn't following him from the beginning. So thanks, Doug Flutie, for joining us. What we'll do when we come back after the break, we'll go north of the border for the second straight day. Gino Lewis is going to stop by. Maybe a name you don't know, but a guest that you're going to like. I've had him on before. He's a wide receiver for the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL. He's played against Patrick Mahomes. He's played with Baker Mayfield. He's got great perspective. I'll ask him some questions that are burning me about the Patriots. Gino Lewis is going to stop by. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back. Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Radio Row at Home, our guest list today. Great Gino Lewis is going to join us momentarily. Our guest list tomorrow full as well. Freddie Coleman's going to stop by. Chad Finn of the Boston Globe is going to stop by. And we're also going to see uh, Tori Mitchell, I believe, come in tomorrow. So we will uh, verify that. But uh, former UVM hockey star, Catamount alum, NHL alum was supposed to be with us today. Had something happen. No big deal. He had a schedule uh, conflict. We said, hey, no problem. We'll go tomorrow. So Tori Mitchell, I believe, will be on with us tomorrow. And uh, some more really good names coming later in the week, especially guys with local ties that you may not even know had local ties. So uh, I'm looking forward to what the rest of this week holds. So joining us now, though, is a guy who I've had on before, a name you all might not know, though, Gino Lewis. He's a wide receiver for the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL. He is a an all-star in the CFL. He played his college football both at Penn State and at Oklahoma. We'll talk to him about a little bit of that. So, Gino, thanks for being on with me again. It's great to have you on Radio Row at home here. Hope you're staying safe. Good to talk to you again. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I got to ask you, I'm only a little bit older than you. I lived on the college football video games for PS2 and PS3. They announced they're bringing it back. Were you a college football video game guy? I'm going to tell you like this. It's crazy. I've, I've been talking to about my buddies uh, like a lot of the morning, and um, I got a different view on it. I'm not, I've never really been a big game person. So, so me, like my little brother, my little brother, he is like, he's huge in the game. But me personally, like, I honestly feel like, it's kind of like beating around the bush because they still should be paying the the, mm. uh, the, the student athletes, man. I, I just that's that's my mindset. But like I feel like even the former players, we should they should get reimbursed, man. Like it's just so much money that's going to be made and that's that's been made over, you know. what I'm saying that game, so I just feel like, I, but I, but I'm happy. I'm happy it's coming back and it's great. But I'm just also feeling for them, them, them student athletes that's in college now that's that's still not going to get a piece of anything that they, they make. From now, see, that's a very mature point of view, but I got to say, if I was you while I was in college, you played at Penn State and at Oklahoma, I still would have thought it was cool to play as myself if I was in college. Yeah, yeah, no, so yeah, so mind you, mind you, uh, 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 the last game was made in 2014. I got yes. to school in 2012, so the first two years, I liked it. It was cool. I just I just was never a big, big gamer, but like I used myself in the games. I used to beat my, my roommates in the game and all that <laughs> stuff, so, and I was an impact player too, so. I definitely was using myself. <laughs> so you played high-level Division One football, CFL All-Star. Are you the best athlete in your own family, though? I look at your family resume. I'm like, damn, this guy comes from good genes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I tell my dad, I tell my sister, I tell my all my brothers and sisters, they know that I'm the best 
in the, in the whole family. You know, the only person that'll probably top me is uh, either one of my brothers and sisters or probably my my children when I have children someday. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my dad. We we argue about this all the time. You know, my sister she in Spain playing basketball right now, so I talk to her and then let her know it too. So, and the thing is, basketball is not even my number one sport, and I'm still the best basketball player in my house oh well i can only imagine what thanksgiving gets like at the lewis household yeah man it's a, it's a, it's a lot <laughs> thanksgiving's crazy i got a very competitive family man my whole family's competitive been like that my whole life um but you know it just it keeps us going it keeps us more determined and just motivates makes, motivates us every day man. well you know speaking of being motivated i'm sure you are now you guys missed the cfl season you were coming off a great year with the Alouettes, uh, what have you been up to for the last year without having football to play? I mean, what's it been like for you the last year? I mean, it's, it's, it's different, man. This has been a really, really big change for me. Just just in the fact that, like, the last, man, I, I'm 27, so, like, in the last 18 yeah. years, I've always been in football. Like, I've always been in football during the time, you know, when football was going on. And, like, like really my off-season, my off-season has never really been that long. Like, so now for this to happen, it was kind of like a big change because you had to kind of figure out, like, what were you going to do? Like, you know, how were you going to go about your days? So, you know, like me personally, I was I've been working out, staying in shape. I just feel like that's something I, I just like to do myself. Um, I've been tra- I traveled a little bit, um, um, you know, during during the time a little bit just because I, I was able to. Um, but to be honest with you, I really just been, you know, just trying to figure out other things, you know, for, for the future for myself. And, um, yeah. I'm trying to set things up for later on, but uh, for the most part, man, I'm just I'm just trying to trying to keep my mind wrapped around football, and stay in football, and stay locked in. Gino Lewis with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, Radio Row at Home on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVRadio.com. Yeah, you finished your college career at Oklahoma. You were on the field for that epic 66-59 game where Oklahoma beats Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield outduels Patrick Mahomes. I guess. Before I ask you more specifics about that game, overall, was that game even fun to play in 66-59? Yes, and I'm going to tell you why. You have to understand, I can't, I was at the time I had came from the Big Ten. So the Big Ten weren't used to scoring all them points and throwing that much. <laughs> you know, it was gritty. You know it's probably going to be a great defensive game. Might Both teams might get into the 20s. But I went to the Big 12, and it was completely – it was, like, completely different, like – Especially for me as an offensive player and a receiver, like I love points. I want to score. Like that's what people want to see. So for me, I, I mean, I I loved it. Like I never played. I never played in a game like that type of shootout with that many, you know, with them big time athletes in it like that. And uh, it it was it was crazy. It was it was about. Um, you know, we talk about that epic game against you guys against Mahomes. We know Mahomes is great. We know he's special. That day he was special. But when you're watching that game and you're seeing it in person, did you know how good he was or did you just think, hey, I mean, this is what happens in the Big 12. Anybody can do this. No, so first things first. So, to remind you, throughout that week, like, we watch we watch a lot of film. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we even watch – sometimes we we watch, uh, you know, the, the other team's offense and stuff like that sometimes too because um, at the time – the head coach there is the coach at the Cardinals now. And That's right. uh, Coach Coach Lincoln Riley was our offensive coordinator and Coach Deuce was the head coach. But Lincoln and the coach for the Cardinals, they are like real close. They were with each other, I think, at um, Eastern Carolina. Hmm. So a lot of the stuff that they were doing was a lot of the stuff that we were doing. We we just Coach Riley kind of just mixed it up a little bit. But we seen we seen like throughout the week what he was doing like during the season. Like a lot of people just didn't realize it because 
it was Texas Tech, and you know they were playing other teams in the Big Twelve, and everybody just think you know it's a thousand points going to be scored. And then he he did it to Oklahoma, and it just blew. So like we we weren't surprised. Like at that point in time, we just like we just wanted the defense to get one stop. We just yeah. listen. If you get one stop, it's it's over. It's over. But it was man, that was that was one of the funnest shootouts. It was, I, I'm glad I was bit. Be, uh, I was able to be part of that and, uh, you know, just really see him do it in person though, and see Bate do what he did in person and everybody else in that game. Well, that was awesome. I went back and watched the highlights recently. It was awesome. We're talking with yeah. Gino Lewis here um, from the Montreal Alouettes. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas Show during Radio Row at home. So we cover the Patriots. We're a Patriots station. You know, everybody says, and it's easy to say, the Patriots have a huge salary cap, you know, amount of salary space this year. I just go sign a bunch of good wide receivers. Just bring them all in. And I'm thinking to myself, Money can solve a lot, but you as a wide receiver, how excited are you by the idea of coming to a team that runs the ball as much as they do? Like, is it fun for you to say, hey, man, my best game of the year is going to be six catches. I'm going to block for 42 times a game. <laughs> uh, man, I would say this. In this day and age now, uh, that's, that's, that's hard. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a passing league. Like, it's a passing league now. You know what I mean? So, um. I just feel like the way the game is now, there's there's ways that you can get your your best players the ball, uh, and putting them in the best position to be successful. Um, yeah, man, but that's tough. And it, like 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 mind you, like coming out of college, like there was teams like Georgia Tech who was doing the triple yeah. option and stuff like that. And you know, I was getting recruited by them, but you know, at the time, like, I want to I want to touch the the rock, man. I want I want <laughs> oh like, but mind you, I think like Calvin Johnson, man, he he did it from there. Yeah, uh, you know. You know um, 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 Thomas from the uh, that was playing used to play with the Broncos. He made it from uh, out there. Demarius like, Thomas, yeah. Demarius Thomas, man, it's, it's guys that figure out to make it wait, like to make it work. It's just at the end of the day, it's kind of like you gotta you gotta pick the best situation, the best you know circumstances for you and your skill set and the system that works for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's kind of like it's a personal thing, but at the same time, it's like listen, I'm a receiver. I want to catch the rock. <laughs> I'm also going to block. I will get my blocks in. I will make it happen. But like. You know, I, w- I want to be involved. I really want to be involved. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gino Lewis, he's an all-star in the CFL. Looking forward to getting him back on the field as soon as we can with the Montreal Alouettes. He played uh, at Oklahoma, played at Penn State, and uh, we appreciate his insight here. So, Gino, man, we will definitely do it again. Good luck to you. Good luck to the Owls. And we'll be following from uh, just south of the border. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Thank you, man, and uh, stay blessed. Yeah, thank you. You too. Gino Lewis, man, he was uh, – he was awesome. I told you guys he was good. Not a name maybe that you remember from college, but in that game, think about 66 to 59. I just went through and watched those highlights again the other day. Baker Mayfield against Patrick Mahomes. Like, guys, let's pull up the stats real quick. We don't we don't have time to go to break. So we'll just take this to the end of the show. But uh Oklahoma, Texas Tech, yeah, 2016 it was. So look at listen to the absurd box score from this game. 66 to 59 was the final. Baker Mayfield throws for 545 yards and seven touchdowns. What's amazing, though, is Mayfield threw for seven touchdowns and 545 yards. He only threw 36 passes. He only threw 36 passes to get to 545 yards. Patrick Mahomes was 52 of 88 in this game. 52 of 88 for seven 134 yards. There was, I mean, let me see here. So Oklahoma had 545 yards passing. They had 300 yards rushing. Joe Mixon had 260 yards rushing. So they had over 800 yards of offense. Mahomes throws for 734 yards, and they ran for only 120. But 
they end up with 850 yards of total offense. So they almost I end up with identical they almost end up with identical yardage numbers here. The exact number might actually be the same here. Let's the total math here. Total yards in this game 854 to 854. That's absurd. And Mixon runs for 263 yards and two scores. He also caught three touchdown passes from Mayfield. So this whole game is absurd. And our guy Geno Lewis played in it, had some yards and catches in that one as well. And uh, I've had multiple people reach out to me and say, Brady, keep bringing on the CFL guys. I had a guy uh, named Nick reach out and say, hey, Flutie? Gino Lewis yesterday, Russ Landy. I love the CFL. Rick, from the host of uh, the host of uh, Vermont Viewpoint, right here on WDEV, he just is infatuated with the C with the CFL. So um, I can't wait for those guys to get back on the field. It's a fun product. I've actually never been to a CFL game, but I've talked to so much of Flutie and others now this year. I'm starting to think that hey, I got to get in on it as well. The people with the Alouettes are awesome to deal with. So. I want to get there as well. All right, so look, because we didn't take this last break, we'll take a longer break now, and that will end the show. So I got to step aside. Dinner Jazz with John Wilson is coming up next here on the Friendly Pioneer. Tomorrow on WDEV's Radio Row at Home, another full guest list. We will have uh, Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, as we always do on a Wednesday. We'll have Tori Mitchell, former Catamount hockey star, and uh, Chad Finn from the Boston Globe, and we'll see who else stops by because uh, we got a bunch of names uh, really cooking here in the guest uh, booking process. So we're looking forward to it. Hope you guys have been enjoying it as well. If you have, feel free to drop us a text and let us know. We're always looking for your input as well. 802-585-3026 on the text line. Everybody drive safe. Okay, multiple locations reporting heavy snow coming down. Roger Hill told us Chittenden County getting pummeled at least as of our last talk with him a couple of hours ago. So stay safe out there. Uh, Lee and Rick will be back tomorrow from his little vacation. They'll be back on the morning news service tomorrow and give you the latest on everything as we move through the rest of this snowstorm on a Wednesday. So have a great night, everybody. It's Brady Farkas right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com.